Hello and welcome to Advancing Resiliency in Education with Jen and Jen. My name is Jennifer Baker and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and my co-host is Jennifer Johnson, licensed clinical social worker. We invite you to listen in as we respond to real questions on current mental health topics from educators. Our hope is that the ideas, stories, and experiences shared on this podcast will help you build resiliency and well-being in your own lives. Before we get started with our episode today, Jen and I just want to thank you all for listening and let you know how much we appreciate your wonderful feedback. So keep, uh, keep on reaching out. In this episode, Jen, I thought it might be helpful for us to address some concerns I've been hearing from many parents with teenagers. Many of the calls I've been receiving from my friends is around their teen doesn't want to do anything except maybe sleep. It's a struggle to get them to attend school, not to mention complete their homework, and they're really feeling equally frustrated and concerned. You know, I've been hearing the same as well, um, and it, it does make many of us as parents, also those of us that are teachers, it does make us concerned about what we might be seeing. And if we don't have someone to talk it over with, it can seem really scary and daunting and, you know, a little bit panicky, like, what do I do? Am I missing something? So let's, let's definitely break it down. Uh, right now, with COVID, you know, we do have a lot of individuals that are experiencing low mood, significant mm-hmm. low mood. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is diagnosable with depression um, at this time. So we have to be careful careful of that. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I've been talking to them about is that there is a difference between a mental health challenge versus a mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. So a mental illness or disorder is different than a mental health challenge in the sense that mental health challenges encompass a wide array of signs and symptoms that may or may not warrant a medical diagnosis, whereas a mental illness or disorder is a diagnosable illness that affects a person's emotional state and behavior. And that can be really difficult. I train on youth mental health first aid, and one of the things that we really talk about is that typical or normal kind of adolescent behavior versus what might be leading toward a mental health challenge or a disorder because youth are going through a lot of physical changes, cognitive changes, social changes, and emotional changes at this time in their life. Yeah, and now, and now on top of it, they have COVID. They have yeah. a global pandemic. Um, I, think, I think for me, I'm, I'm almost always cautioning parents and even teachers, don't worry too much about the diagnostic profile. Um, and here's why I say that. If your child has a symptom, address the symptom. If it turns out that there are a number of symptoms that warrant a diagnosis, then a professional will address that. Because as a parent and a teacher, you know, teachers are often making referrals. Um, parents are often calling a primary care physician or calling an outpatient therapist to set up an appointment. And so let, let those professionals work within their scope of practice and stay in their lane. Um, so I would often say parent and teach based on the symptoms that maybe are present. Don't worry about the diagnostic profile. There might not even be a diagnostic profile. It still doesn't mean that there aren't some symptoms there. So for instance, you know, being sad or being disappointed um, does not mean that you are clinically depressed. It still means you're sad and mm-hmm. disappointed. And so as a parent and teacher, we can get in there and we can, um, 
we can address that sadness, that disappointment, that mood. And right now, um, we can address the grief. So we've talked about in a prior podcast, um, just being in a society that's going through a global pandemic, we all are experiencing collective grief. Mm -hmm. And grief leaves you feeling sad and disappointed. Um, Grief leaves you feeling worried. Grief can even give you a foggy brain, right? Where you have lack of clarity. Um, Anyone that's ever lost someone in their life, um, you can recall having foggy brain and lack of clarity. Sometimes you won't even remember where you parked your car or left your keys. Um, You know, you might have gone to the grocery store and left the entire basket full of groceries and now you have to go back and figure out where you left that basket of groceries. So that foggy brain and that lack of clarity um, is also related to grief. So when, when I hear some of these posts and these parents, it sounds like really the, the symptoms that are occurring are that our kids are sad, our kids are disappointed, um, our kids may even be a little bit angry. Um, all of that would fall under a large umbrella of grief. But I also hear the parents getting angry at their youth. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, you know, they're being lazy, they're getting mouthy with me. Mm-hmm. They're not doing. They're not doing their chores. They're they're starting to feel really frustrated themselves because they're trying to be understanding, but yet it, it's really hard to understand right now. So much it is. It, you're right, Jen. So you basically have two people. Uh, you have the parent and you have the child who are in a society with a global pandemic, and so both are experiencing grief. Um, and remember that frustration, uh, that's also an element under the grief umbrella. You know, we, we tend to, when we're grieving, we sometimes get short-tempered. We sometimes get uh, snippy and snappy um, with individuals. We get easily frustrated. Uh, so that's really what we're seeing from parents as well. So everything that you just described, you've got, you've got both people, right, um, under the grief umbrella. And so what do we do when we're all under the grief umbrella? <laughs> We create a little more wiggle room for each other. Um, you know, as a therapist, I'm sure that you've had times where, where you've had clients who have busted out into a full-on brawl at a funeral, and that's not, that's not who they are. They, they would never think about fighting, but here they are at Nana's funeral, mm-hmm. and, it, and before you knew it, they're yelling at somebody in the family and someone's throwing punches. Well, that's again because under the throes of grief, we do not conduct ourselves at, at our best and so we're not getting up we're not we're not doing all our chores as a teen and as a parent we're not um, being as patient as we typically are we're not being as understanding as we typically are and so the first thing that we can do is admit we're all under the grief umbrella right mm-hmm. and so if, if we admit we're under the grief umbrella we'll do certain things such as we'll stop labeling let's not use the L word right the lazy um, so your kid that doesn't want to get up, I, I would dare say that's not lazy. Um, that's, that's sadness and grief and disappointment and frustration and worry all rolled up into one. And the kid that doesn't want to do his chores, well, why should I? What's the purpose? I can't go out and play football. I can't meet with my friends. Um, there, there are kids at school that I, a, a teen would normally talk to, but they don't know them well enough to reach out to them during COVID. 
they're not that kind of friend. They don't know them well enough to make friends that way, but they used to look forward to going every fourth period of the math class and going, oh, I'm gonna see Katie today, and that's the time I get to check in and talk with Katie. So you see how they would have little pieces of purpose all throughout their day. And so those little pieces of purpose are gone. And then here you come in as a parent wanting them to do their chore because you have purpose, which is for them to do their chore. And for them, it, it, it doesn't matter, right? They're questioning mm -hmm. what, what does it all matter? So they've lost all these little purposeful moments, like going to math class and talking to somebody that they normally wouldn't talk to in any other setting. And they definitely wouldn't reach out right now via phone or text. Um, it was just the environment. Yeah, so that's many of the conversations I've been having with them as well is that even though they didn't want to go to school, right? They were complaining, I don't want to go to school. I hate school. That was purpose for them. It gave them a purpose and it gave you as a parent purpose. And life is feeling a bit purposeless-full. Like, we don't have that anymore. Definitely. The... The purpose that we purposeless, use, I should say, pur purposeless. Purposeless. It's feeling very purposeless right now. Hey, I was gonna go with you. I was, I was gonna go with purposeless <laughs> full. I was like, okay, we um, need to make it purposeful. Yeah, and so I, I really think that that comes with us being creative, um, because purpose was was already in our routines, right? The purpose to get up and go to school, like you said, mm -hmm. the purpose to go ahead and pass pass that class so you didn't have to take it during summer school. Um, the purpose to pass a class so your your mom and mom would get off your back about something um, or so you could earn something. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there were rewards that were built in to the purpose that was already there. And remember, teens in general are so reward oriented. Well, goodness, as a species, we're reward oriented. Um, and if we're going to be honest right now, there's not a whole lot of rewards coming down the pike, right down the pike. And so um, we're not getting the rewards. So it makes us lose sight of what the purpose is mm -hmm. right so if we can make a little bit of room and just validate our teens i know i use that word in lots of our podcasts jen but honestly validation is so soothing to the soul just to feel validated that someone's heard you so if your kid complains 17 times from nine o'clock to ten o'clock in the morning about having to get up then 17 times you say i know it's hard <laughs> i know Validate, validate, validate. You know what, as you're saying that, I've, I've heard my own son talk about the fact that he doesn't feel that I'm validating him enough right now. That he's not feeling like that I'm appreciating things that he's doing. And as you said that, I thought, wow, I'm sure his teachers probably did a lot of that during the day, throughout the day at different times. So where they were doing a lot of that when they were, he was at school for, you know, the six hours, six and a half hours. So he mm -hmm. was getting more of that there. And then I'm only seeing him when I come home from work, he's getting, he is getting far less. Yes, definitely. That's such a good point because throughout the day, you know, he's, he's popping around between uh, teacher to teacher and maybe going to lab class, you know, maybe talking to a coach. And, and so there's, there's a number of adults in the life that are kind of saying, Hey, I appreciate this. And, mm -hmm. and Hey, good job on this. And, and validating his hard work. And so here we are, we're not getting all of that outside uh, validation and appreciation. Um, that, that can take its toll. It's also difficult to give validation and appreciation when you yourself are struggling mm. because you might miss the things that you should appreciate. 
But if you have your own filter going on, if you're significantly sad and disappointed because you're in a pandemic too, mm-hmm. you have your filter. And so you're missing um, maybe some of what's going on. And so here your, your kid is, you know, made his bed and the sheets are extra tight this morning. Um, but your filter didn't allow you to see it, acknowledge it, and appreciate it. Mm. Um, your kid went ahead and did the homework this time without you having to say anything, right? They stayed on Zoom extra time and they got the homework done. But your filter of being sad and disappointed and frustrated didn't allow you to see it, so you weren't able to acknowledge it and um, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I mean by giving each other a wider berth, right? We're all doing the best we can during COVID. And so just giving each other a little bit of wiggle room. We're not at our best. Um, we do have collective grief filters going on. Mm-hmm. It keeps us from missing things. And so if we remind ourselves, I probably have a COVID filter right now. Um, so does my kid. So does my loved one. We're not at our best. We might be saying things um, that we don't mean to that extreme. We might be doing things that we don't mean to that extreme. It's not about condoning it. It's not about condoning. It's about recognizing you're not at your best. The same way the person that throws the punch at Nana's funeral was not at their best. Okay, so I can get that. I can wrap my head around that, and I understand that what I'm hearing you say is that we need to be a little more understanding Mm -hmm. uh, of each other, have some grace. But I can also hear them saying, well, that doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you and I had had a conversation uh, prior when we talked about the topic and we really were talking about how, how do we give future purpose? Mm-hmm. What should we do in these instances and what can we do in the various roles that we play with the youth that we're, you know, we're working with or that are our own children? Future focus talk is, it is so, it's so nourishing in a lot of ways um, that you have to choose your timing. So for instance, don't roll into future focus talk with your kid after an argument or a disagreement. Um, Make sure that you have some time to do it. Make sure that the setting is is calm at that moment. And so future focus talk is just about us talking about something that you believe your child will appreciate in the future, something that they're looking forward to in the future, something that they can't do now due to the pandemic. And so what you're doing is you're creating a little bit of space to say, hey, you know, once COVID ends, and we get back to school, are, are you thinking about going out for tennis or wrestling, right? And so now they're gonna start thinking, you know, is it tennis or wrestling? Even though right now in the moment, they might be thinking, what does it matter? You know, schools are shut down, we're not doing anything. Yes, that's right now. But you're adding to the question, when COVID is over, when this ends, when we get back. So you're letting it be known that there is a future post COVID. Mm. And you're pitting a direct detailed question do you think this year you want to go out for COVID, uh, you want to go out for um, wrestling, or you think you want to go out for tennis when you go back? Hey, when you go back, are you looking at doing an elective related to FFA, or are you thinking about doing an elective related to um, your saxophone, right, your instrument? So what you're doing is you're giving them two two points to think about, and in the future planning it. So once they answer, your next follow up question would be. Okay, I'm wondering what we should do to lead up to that. So if you're saying wrestling, um, in the next couple months, should we be paying attention to what weight class you might want to wrestle, right? If you're saying you want to go ahead and play in the jazz band, I'm wondering if we should create more time for instrument practice or should we look on YouTube and find some some videos for you to jam to? Mm -hmm. What should we do as we plan for 
post-COVID life? What should we do to plan for and strategize for uh, future focused doing? Because we can't do it, but we can talk about it and strategize for it now. Mm-hmm. And don't linger this conversation on too long with your child, right? Um, because then that's going to become an annoyance. So you're kind of doing these drive-by conversations, right? You're doing these drive-by conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're doing is you're planting little seeds about future-focused thinking, future-focused doing, future-focused living. So I feel like I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm a parent, and I feel like I am doing what you're saying. But I'm still seeing that it's not quite clicking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, let's get your license. Okay, we need to go out. We need to drive. You need to ask us. And I'm still feeling that pushback of not. It's not happening unless I really take the initiative to push it to happen. Okay, so I so the difference is you're wanting to do right now. And so I would ask you, Jen, when you are feeling significantly low and sad and disappointed and frustrated, do you want to do right now? Are you at your best right now? No, so that's where it differs. Future-focused thinking honestly isn't about doing anything right now. It's about dreaming and imagining, right? So even if I am significantly low and significantly frustrated, If you plant a seed about me thinking or imagining or fantasizing or dreaming about the future, that's different. I can, I can do a little bit of talk more than I can do doing, but if I'm down and low right now, me doing me actually putting on my, my clothes and getting in the car and listening to you tell me left, right, use your blinker. That's me doing. And I don't have the energy to do right now because I'm so sad and disappointed. Mm -hmm. So I would say as a parent, don't hang your hat on the doing right now. For us, it's even hard to do right now. How many of us should actually, (laughs) how many of us should have our tennis shoes on right now and be going for a walk around the block and eating an apple? Well, that's doing. You know, you're lucky I brushed my hair for this appointment, Jen. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, So I'm thinking creatively then. Because every kid is a little different, right? What they might be willing to do, uh, whether it might be journaling about where they would want to go or cutting out pictures in a magazine of a vacation that they would like to go to, doing some of those activities uh, that would bring about this in a different way versus just talking about it. Most definitely. You know, those of us remember dream boards and vision boards, right? Remember that? Um, And there's a reason why visuals are so helpful because visuals are, are, are so pleasing. They're this gentle reminder that that's what I'm going after. Mm -hmm. Um, But also there's a lot of research in um, how visuals keep us focused and working towards um, our goals. I would even say, let's switch it up from goals and make it more about values right? And so for instance, if your kid values wrestling, talk about it in a valued way. Mm-hmm. What do you value about wrestling? Do you value uh, the skill set, the strength, the competitiveness? Um, do you value having control over your body so that you can do this weight class or that weight class? And so switch it up to values. You know, a lot of times, this comes from acceptance commitment therapy, by the way, when we live our lives by our goals, we fail to enjoy the journey. 
But when we live our life by our values, we are constantly talking and bathing about those things we value. And so the journey becomes more pleasurable and more pleasing. And so those vision boards that we might be creating or those images that we were pulling out um, of magazines and putting on a bulletin board and whatnot, we want to relate that all the way back to our child's values. Mm. What is it that they value? Um, we can tie that easily to future-focused thinking. So I recently was talking to a friend's kid who's around age 11 and is still into Minecraft. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know Minecraft was really around <laughs> anymore, um, but it very much is. And so my conversation with him just for a few minutes was really about, well, what are you hoping to do in Minecraft? Like, what are you building now? Like, I just played, like, I don't really know and I really wanna know. Then I sprinkled in some future-focused thinking, which I shared with him that you have those com, com cons, those um, giant conferences um, that oh. are about comics and video games. Comic cons. Yeah, yes. comic cons. There uh -huh. you go. Thank you. And so I had shared with him, you know, people get together and actually dress up and represent elements of their video games that they play, even Minecraft. Mm -hmm. um, and so I said, you know, you're only 11 now, but I'm thinking in the future, would you want to do that? That might be something to think about because um, I think you could pull it off. You know so much about this game. You could go to this giant conference and represent something from Minecraft. I dropped it and left. I don't need to engage in conversation with him. I need to just plant a seed. And so now you have an 11-year-old going, am I ever going to go to a conference about Minecraft? The point isn't rather he does it or not. It's not about completion. It's about purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when you plant future-focused seeds, it gives a little purpose. It is not about completion. Goals are about completion. And, and if we're going to be honest, some of us have worked for something, achieved the goal, and then forgot about it the next day. It's about the journey of living life by your values. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we can use future-focused thinking. Yeah, as you're talking to, I have heard educators and teachers, administrators, and I see what they're doing as well, that they have created some of these future focused events even just as if they were in school so let's have a dress up day for um you know could be western day so come on the visuals uh for your zoom classroom or webex meetings uh, with a costume on or a mask or it's halloween so let's let's do a, a funny mask on there mm -hmm. and also hearing them what do you want your well, the classroom to look like when you come back even in their google boards so what can you put in my Google Classroom that you would want to see when you come back to the regular classroom when I get to see you in person? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. And if a teacher recognizes in the virtual classroom a, a kid who does not participate in the doing, like they're the ones not dressed up, they're the ones not excited. If a teacher recognizes that, then make it a writing assignment. Remember, one might only have enough energy to jot down a paragraph about, here's what I want in the classroom when I finally come back. Here's how I want eighth grade to be different than seventh grade. Because they might not be able to do the doing, but if we plant a future-focused idea, they might be able to dream about what it looks like in the future. Perfect. And everybody should be doing that from a teacher to an administrator and for their own staff as well. I think it's really important. We've, we talked a lot about um, youth today because that was our focus but I think it's really important even for your staff and their wellness to plan events that are future focused as well so that the, and they have a say in 
Definitely. That's such a good point. Yep. Plan the future focused talk. Do it to yourself as well, right? Have future focused um, talk with yourself. Where, where, where do I want to be post COVID? Uh, what do I want to be working on? What are my projects? What are my career aspirations? What are my values uh, within my family life? What are my values within my work life? Uh, what are my values with in my physical health life? And so uh, what will that look like post COVID? Perfect. All right. So listeners, please uh, remember to send in any questions that you have. Uh, Jen and I are here and we love to hear from you. You can send that to jbaker at stanco, S-T-A-N-C-O-E dot org. And we look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much for listening. Support shared during today's episode is for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Jen and I wish you well and look forward to you joining us on the next episode of Advancing Resiliency in Education.